everybody, I'm Mike, CEO and co-founder at Colstack. And before we move to our React Native show podcast, I have a quick announcement to say that might be something that is interesting to you. Today, I'm looking for the best React Native developers to join my team. Besides working on high-end software used by millions, we also contribute to open source projects such as React Native Paper, React Native Testing Library, or Repack. And so you will have an opportunity to develop your skills and knowledge within these projects as well as move your own ideas into life by taking part in our R&D program. We are a great team full of React Native crazy people about this technology and we can't wait to share our knowledge and experience with you. And so if this sounds like something exciting, don't wait anymore and join us. It's great to be part of such a team. Check out the link and below and apply and I'm hoping to see you soon in our cold stack office or maybe remotely depending on your location. Bye bye. Hello and welcome to the React Native Show podcast. I'm Wukash, your host, and in this episode, we'll dive into the world of mobile payments. What are mobile payments? How do they work? And is it a good idea to implement them in your mobile application? How do you even go about it? This and much, much more is waiting for you in this episode of the React Native Show podcast. Let's get started and introduce my guests. So joining me today are Charlie from Stripe and Kuba from Colstack. Charlie, let's start from you. Please tell us a few words about yourself and what you are working with on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so hi, my name is Charlie. Uh, like you said, I work at Stripe, um, actually pretty new. So I just started this year. Um, and before that, I was working on other React Native things over at Expo. Um, and so on a, on a daily basis at Stripe, my major focus is the Stripe React Native library. And this is essentially a layer on top of our Android and iOS native libraries that let you implement payments really easily into your React Native app. OK, thank you, Charlie. I'm really impressed. Like the Expo background and Stripe background, uh, I think you're the experts we need in this episode of the React Native Show podcast. Thank you, Charlie. So next up is Kuba. Can you introduce yourself to our viewers? Sure. Hi, I'm Kuba. Uh, I am a software developer at Callstack, uh, focusing mostly on React and uh, React Native. Uh, so my life uh, has been uh, entangled with React Native uh, for almost six years now. Uh, I recently also joined uh, Stripe Developer uh, Community Experts program uh, as a, a community expert for React Native. Awesome. Thanks so much, Kuba, for your introduction. And now that we know who we're talking to, let's begin our topic. Just to make everything clear, I'll now briefly summarize the short history in a few bullet points of payments in general. OK. So in 1994, the first e-commerce transaction occurred. It was Pizza Hut that allowed their customers to order pizza via restaurant's website. In some other sources, I read that it was actually a Sting CD being sold in 1994, but we know for sure that it was in 1994. Then in 1997, the first mobile transaction, Coca-Cola created vending machines that enabled their customers to pay for drinks via text messages. By 2001, Domino's Pizza is already taking orders through cell phones. Two years after the iPhone was introduced, so in 2009, Stripe starts its services. 
and the mobile payment market crosses 69 billion in sales. Then in 2014, Apple introduces Apple Pay, and next year, Samsung and Apple Pay, Android Pay, sorry, become available. So with that historical background out of the way, let's talk about today possibilities that mobile payment offers. So we have like in-app micropayments, online purchases, services, and many, many more with different methods so that user experience is easy, fast, and friendly. Kuba, uh, can you maybe tell us a little bit about the different types of mobile payments that exist? What we can pay for? Sure. Yeah, so basically there are uh, multiple ways of uh, making money on mobile applications. Uh, so you can, for example, of course, uh, create a paid application. So it will be like a one-time payment or subscription-based. Uh, and this kind of payments uh, are something that application stores uh, are responsible for. So there is nothing uh, to do uh, for us as developers, uh, except you know the proper uh, setup of our application in App Store or yeah, Google Play. Uh, the second group that we can specify basically uh, is something called in-app purchases. Uh, in gaming industry, we can call it micropayments. Um, so this kind uh, is for payments that are about uh, the application's digital services. So this applies to, to a paywalls, paid modules or features of the app, uh, items in games, uh, the list go on. So uh, if a payment uh, applies to, let's call it digital services, uh, then uh, it uh, lands under this category, basically. So payments like this uh, has to be done uh, through the app stores, Google Play or uh, Apple App Store. Um, so on the one hand, uh, it is quite nice because, uh, again, it's on uh, on the store to process the payment. But on the other hand, uh, you need to be aware of some, for example, a fees. Mm, yeah. The third, and from what yeah. I heard, uh, there are quite a big ones, like 30% yeah. cut on your in-app uh, purchases. That's quite a lot, right? Yeah, exactly. This is not small fee, <laughs> unfortunately. Mm, yeah. Uh, so there is also this third uh, uh, group of payments. Uh, uh, those are payments uh, for physical services. So this is everything related to paying for uh, material goods or uh, services, uh, not related to the app functionalities itself. So, you know, uh, e-commerce applications, uh, food delivery apps. So. This is uh, in this group. <clears throat> and here we have full freedom. So there are no uh, uh, rules from stores. Uh, you know, developers can use payment method of their choice. Uh, the only uh, requirement is that it has to be available on mobile, of course. But the main drawback here uh, is the fact uh, that whole payment processing, in this case, in, is on us. Uh, developers or business owners. Uh, what's worth mentioning, uh, uh, 
is uh, it's not that easy to draw a line uh, between uh, those last two groups I mentioned. So you mean uh, digital services and physical goods, physical services? Yeah, this is not always that obvious to, to, to draw this line. Uh, so uh, basically, it's not uh, always that easy to understand if you know it should be done through uh, in-app purchases uh, using those uh, uh, application stores mechanism, or uh, if I, as a developer, can uh, implement my own uh, payments in the application. So because of that, from time to time, uh, we hear about some you know apps removed from app stores or lawsuits against Apple or Google. Yeah, yeah. When I uh, when I doing some research for this episode, I talked with some uh, developers from Callstack, uh, saying me that I should really go to Reddit because on Reddit there are a lot of developers that have a feud with Apple and are angry about their apps being uh, taken out of the App Store for like violating unclear policies, right? So if I have a I have a service, uh, I want. I want my users to pay for the service on site, so I don't have to on like a website, so I don't have to give a Apple uh, a pay cut. But uh, in my mobile application, I want them to be able to log in. But they have to know from somewhere else that they have to pay for the service somewhere else because I'm not allowed to specify anywhere in my application that this service is uh, paid, right? Yeah, so that is like that is some somehow of a like a gray zone area. So it's also I think kind of worth mentioning that like the gray zone applies to the reviewers as well. Like as it's hard for developers to decide is my app providing a physical service or a digital service, the reviewers also don't 100% know. So some apps, let's say two apps provide like a very similar service and a very similar implementation, like it may even depend on which reviewer you get and which app review, like, I don't know if it's the first, second, third, yeah. um, that, that kind of decides, like, will your app be approved or not? So it's like, I feel like gray zone is an understatement here. <laughs> okay, yeah. So our, uh, like our suggestion is, if your app is in the App Store and you somehow got through all the uh, policies, don't update it. Like, just leave it there. Be quiet about it. Uh, and if, if it got rejected, uh, like, try to resubmit it with some minor changes, right? So maybe you can uh, find someone more lenient to, to review your app, your app and allow it. Let's summarize this part. So uh, Kuba just said that we have a few different categories of payments at mobile. You can, buy, you can pay for a mobile application that gives a cut to Apple and Google. You can have your uh, in-app purchases, micropayments, however you want to call them. That's for online services. That's for digital items. And that is al that also goes through the stores. And then third category, the most broad, and the one that we will actually talk about today is physical goods and physical services, not in-app, but like like Kuba said, some kind of like food delivery service or hotel service or something like that. So uh, in this third category, maybe Charlie, you can tell us uh, what are the mobile, sorry, what are the payment methods that we can use 
when we uh, when we implement like these broader categories? Yeah, that's a great question, and the like short answer is that there's just so many, um, and it's also really region dependent. For like, let's say you're a developer, um, what really decides like what payment methods you want to add is where your app is going to be available and where it will be most used. Because, for instance, the U.S. like credit card or debit card, like card payments kind of reign supreme and are by far the most common. But I think in Europe uh, or in certain countries of Europe, like bank debits are far more like are over 50% of all of the uh, online payment transactions. Um, and then there's also like kind of closer regional ones like um, I think Blick is in Poland. Um, <laughs> we have Blick. Blick okay, is great. Yeah. Thank you for Blick uh, Polish banks. Yeah, yeah, shout out. Um, and then obviously like Apple and Google Pay um, and then uh, paying via invoices. There's also like buy now, pay later is something that we're getting a lot of requests for at, at Stripe. So I don't know if you guys have heard of like Klarna or Afterpay. Yeah, um, yeah. And then there's also another interesting one that I had like never heard of in my life before I started working at Stripe a couple months ago are these voucher-based payments, which is um, like one is called OXO. And so you basically provide your app, your, like there's an application um, and the vendor scans it and you get like a voucher to purchase a good. And then you go to some other place later on, show your voucher and pay for your vouchers there. Um, so it's kind of like a buy now, pay later, but I don't know, it was a very different payment method than I've ever heard before. Yeah, okay. And uh, to clarify there, you said Apple Pay and Google Pay, but those are different, right? From the in-app purchases. Those are two different payment methods. Yeah, that's that's correct. They're two different payment methods and they are not applied to in-app purchases, which is yeah. what Kuba was talking about earlier where Apple and Google take a cut. Yeah. Uh, okay. So. Now we have a general overview of the payment, uh, what we can pay for and how we can pay for it. So let's jump right into the next subject, which is quite important, I guess, if, if it's not the most important, security. So we are dealing with money. So I guess there is a lot of security requirements for my application to be like uh, in line with the law, let's say, and like safe from hackers. Uh, Charlie, do you have any any thoughts on that? Can you elaborate on on this point? Yeah, I feel like security is is a huge topic, um, just in general, first of all, and then obviously when you're dealing with anything financial or financial services, um, then it's just an even bigger risk because it's like, okay, if my app doesn't have like good security standards. I'm not just giving away like my users' email addresses, which is pretty bad, but I'm giving away their bank account information, which is awful and could ruin their lives. Um, so I think adding any type of payments to an app, that's something that you definitely have to be aware of. But at the same time, there are plenty of ways to make sure that, let's say worst case scenario, someone loses their device. It doesn't necessarily mean that the attacker has access to their payment method. So there's all of these Basically, you can think of it as two-factor authentication or something like that. Um, but a lot of these security things kind of uh, 
are the onus is on the app developer to make sure that they are aware of these security um, implementations and guards and and you know following them. Um, and then the other half of that is to make sure that whatever processor you're using is also implementing like the guards that they that they should be. So um, if I can like shout out to to Stripe's security standards a little bit over here. Um, <laughs> yeah, please. So, so Stripe implements, I think, like pretty obvious HTTPS over all connections and traffic. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, that just means that the requests are all encrypted. So any attacker doesn't really know anything about what's inside the requests. Um, I actually just learned this recently is that Stripe also uses something called HSTS. Um, and all these acronyms are super confusing, but uh, essentially they're all just meaning like our stuff is secure. So HSTS essentially forces all browsers that are interacting with Stripe to use HTTPS or else it just won't work. Um, and then Google and Mozilla both have these like lists of domains that require, like are hard coded to require HTTPS. Um, so I would expect pretty much any payment processor to want to be on that list because you would never do any payment requ payment related requests over just like an HTTP connection. Yeah, I think we'll uh, we'll come to the payment processors in a moment, but first to just summarize this first part part that we almost done, but. Let's say, let's say I'm a stupid junior uh, software developer. I got my first job and my first boss, like it might be like even a freelance thing, wants me to implement a payment in the, in the mobile application. So uh, how do I go about it? I want to implement it from scratch, obviously. I don't know anything about Stripe. I don't know anything about payment processors. I don't know anything about security even. But I really want to get my hand dirty and just go in there, start processing payments. Like, give me your credit card. I want to. I want you to type this credit card number, and and that's done. Uh, how do I do that, Kuba? I mean, obviously, uh, you can uh, create and implement everything uh, from scratch. You know, you are a developer, so it's your job to implement stuff. Uh, but probably uh, you shouldn't do that. Uh, and the simple answer why uh, is that it's just too complicated. Uh, like Charlie said, there are so many rules, regulations uh, uh, that uh, we need to comply to. And, you know, there is this whole security area uh, that is not that easy to understand. Uh, so you need to be like a security magician. Uh, Sorry, but maybe, maybe Charlie is blowing this out of proportion. Maybe he just uh, worried about his job security. He <laughs> wants people to go to the Stripe. Why not? Like, why don't I? Like, give me like a concrete example. What can happen? What, what's the worst that can happen when I implement this one field that says, give me your credit card? I mean, you can you can lose your customers' money, <laughs> so yeah. this is the worst thing that can happen, and you know, this is uh, pretty much the worst thing that can you know uh, uh, happen like at all uh, when you are creating a mobile application. It's not a small bug uh, when a button is displayed incorrectly. 
you know you lost your customers money so this is uh, this is a huge deal uh, yeah. that's why this security area is so important and that's why maybe this is not a good idea to uh, to implement uh, payment uh, mechanisms uh, from scratch yeah i guess so sorry chagi i was just joking like no I'm, you're fine I, yeah uh so yeah uh to sum to summarize you don't you don't implement payments from scratch like i would argue you shouldn't implement even logins from scratch. You shouldn't like handle login data. You should like outsource it to like uh, Google Auth providers and stuff like that. And this is, uh, I think, level uh, one level lower than payment process processing, right? Like mm -hmm. emails and uh, and passwords. So um, let's say I'm this. <laughs> Let's say I'm this guy that hired this previous developer to do my application, like to, to create it. And I told him, implement me some payments. Go ahead and implement me some payments. And he comes back a week later. Uh, he says, oh, Kuba told me I shouldn't. Like, I've heard this podcast, this really, this really good, the React Native Show podcast that you should subscribe to. And uh, like, I shouldn't. Like, he told me just implement Stripe. So this business guy that never heard of Stripe either, like scratch his head and like says, why should I? Why should I bother implemented Stripe? Uh, what, what Stripe brings to the table? And like more broadly, what are the payments processors, uh, aggregators as I call them, and how do I go about implementing them from a business point of view? Yeah, well, so... My first answer would be hopefully this business person gets in touch with uh, an actual salesperson and not me because that <laughs> salesperson will speak to it way better. Um, but I'm going to do do my best. Um, I think it's good to kind of like describe exactly, like give a short introduction to Stripe. So uh, Stripe's own definition is that we build economic infrastructure for the internet. And so the first most obvious thing here is that Stripe allows you to easily take, you know, accept payments and you don't have to worry about what payment method and if it's a credit card or a debit card and all these things, you just know you accept payments. Um, and so we work then directly with like financial institutions and banks and all of that stuff so that uh, you as a developer or you as a business person don't need to think about it. And instead you're just making like a simple API call because, you know, let's go back to that example of you're building your own payments um, solution, totally bare bones. Even if you're like a wizard developer, it's not all about you know the technical aspect. It's about like, are you willing to speak to the banks and uh, like all of that stuff? Because that's something that's included as well. So everything is kind of handled in the background for you by Stripe, um, and instead now you're just you know providing a credit card component and accepting money, which is I think what everyone would rather be doing than spending their time you know building infrastructure. Yeah, and also like the the whole array of the of the available methods, right? Like the credit card and Blick in Poland and this uh, what do you say? Like vouchers somewhere in the world. Yeah, payment vouchers, and that was uh, OXO in Mexico. If someone listening to this has used that, um, I would be that would be so cool, honestly. Because I'd never heard of it before. Yeah, get in touch with Charlie, and he'll uh, introduce you to Stripe. Like you can integrate it. it it's it's all gonna be fine. Um, 
yeah, so to with that, uh, this business person, this business guy, okay, like I'm impressed. Let's do that. He comes back to this junior developer and like, what would it take for this junior developer to implement Stripe? How, how does it work from technical perspective? What do I do? Uh, what primitives Stripes gives me as a, let, let's treat it as a general mobile first, like na uh, native Android, native iOS, and then let's move on to how you expose all of that to React Native. Yes. <laughs> yes, so so uh, basically since yeah, we are uh, uh, mostly trying to discuss uh, you know, React Native here in this podcast, let me focus on this React Native, uh, React Native part. Uh, and what's great about Stripe uh, is that it offers, uh, you know, uh, uh, tons of different SDKs for different platforms. Uh, and one of those platforms uh, is, of course, React Native. Mm, so, so there is this Stripe React Native library that uh, uses uh, native Stripe SDKs under the hood. And thanks to this library, it is pretty easy to implement payments uh, in your uh, React Native uh, mobile application. So you just need to you know, install this Stripe React Native uh, uh, dependency, rub your, rub your code in some you know, Stripe provider, and you're ready to use all of those functionalities provided by, uh, by the library. So it consists of you know, uh, multiple useful hooks, uh, functions to uh, to to make those uh, those uh, different uh, type of payments. Uh, there are also, uh, uh, for example, components like card input or even the whole uh, uh, whole uh, screen that can you know uh, you, you just can uh, display this this you know payment screen without uh, worrying about anything about uh, about you know the UI and how to implement those those stuff. So it's quite easy. To use so if you are a React Native developer and you know how to use, you know, libraries, uh, <laughs> then uh, pretty much you should be able uh, to do that without uh, any problems. Maybe the only thing uh, that you need to be aware of uh, is that Stripe integration requires additions uh, into your backend services. Okay. Uh, so it's not that uh, you can just use the UI uh, Stripe React Native library. You need to implement some uh, backend uh, functions as well. Uh, but fortunately, most of the popular backend languages, platforms, frameworks have official Stripe SDKs. So implementing uh, payments there should not be a challenge for you or your backend team. Okay. So uh, what about if I don't know how to use uh, libraries, but I know hooks, I know providers, right? So it should be relatively easy to just uh, plug and play those uh, components from React Native to my JS code and, and just run with it. Yep, exactly. It even works without any problems in Expo. So uh, if you want to make everything simpler, you can just, you know, uh, uh, create a fresh Expo app and uh, use payments there. And we can thank it. Charlie for that, for his exactly. amazing work at Expo <laughs> and now Stripe. Yes, thank you very much. Um, Charlie, can you can you speak something to, to like this native integration? What happens under the JavaScript layer? Uh, how those 
components are optimized to run in the mobile environment? Yeah, so everything that Stripe React Native is doing um, is providing like a native-like experience because it literally is the native experience. Um, so we are calling directly into Stripe iOS and Stripe Android for uh, both the UI components that, that Kuba was talking about. So like uh, card input and, and things like that. Same goes for the API calls that we're making behind the scenes. If um, like with Stripe, you basically have two options. Do you want to build your own UI and use um, our functions then to, to call, you know, add payment method or confirm payment? Or do you want to outsource, you know, your UI creation and all of that also to Stripe and use what Kubo was talking about, the, the payment sheet, which essentially just brings up a modal. Um, and it's like a really streamlined experience for, for users and everything like that to where you're just responding to like an on success or on error hook at that point. And it's really the only thing you need to add. Um, but anyway, so that's all happening on the native layer um, and we're just exposing it through to React Native. So you're using, your, your users are getting the exact same experience they would on a purely native app. Yeah, and I would imagine Stripe has also a library for web. And we all know that web is just like JavaScript, to be honest. What prevents me from using like Stripe.js library instead of like Stripe React Native library in my React Native code? Is that even possible? Because in my past, in my junior past, I used some like uh, simple JS libraries in React Native, uh, not HTML code, but like JavaScript. Uh, would that even work? And what are the differences between the two? Yeah, so that's a really good question. Um, and one thing I would say is that from a, if you back up a little bit, it probably is doable if by just having your website use Stripe.js and then launching something like a web view. But I think that in React Native in general, people are like moving away from that because it's just not a great experience to have people open your mobile app and then just go through a web view instead. Um, but Stripe.js is also distributed in a weirder way. Um, to where you're like loading it directly from Stripe's servers rather than bundling it into your your JavaScript bundle. And so, and this is for something called PCI compliance, which is a whole another security thing that we don't have to get back into. Um, but basically that's not doable on the uh, in a native mobile app. So that kind of prevents us from using Stripe JS directly. Um, and besides that, I think you would lose something in performance if you're not relying directly on the native components that have been kind of crafted specifically for that platform. Yeah, yeah, okay, understandable, yeah. Uh, okay, I think we have it. I think we have this part wrapped up. So basically there is a library called, what is it called, Re uh, Stripe React Native? It's called at Stripe slash Stripe React Native. Um, yeah. the, we are still in a V0. Like, we haven't launched V1 yet. Um, and I'm. Don't I'm worry, React that Native. Name. Yeah. <laughs> React Native is not on the first version for like five years already. Or even yeah, more, so, so. I, I don't feel too bad about it. But yeah. uh, if we change the name, just if you Google Stripe React Native, it'll probably come up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, is there something I didn't ask you about, Kuba, Charlie, but you really wanted to talk about in the context of uh, payments in mobile? Um, 
I think you may have asked this, and uh, I just want to make sure that I answer it for for completeness, because maybe someone listening to this is like, oh, you know, Stripe sounds really great, but this guy didn't even mention how much it costs. So I'm sure I, I'm giving up an arm and a leg to use it. Um, so I should just reference really quickly that Stripe charges you based on transactions that go through um, in live mode. So like test mode, obviously, is, is you could test Stripe with a demo account for free and um, get things running in a day and see if you like it. But cost, you should look at our pricing page because it depends on the exact payment methods you're accepting. But it's something like 2.9% on each uh, like credit card transaction. Um, and then bank debits are less because credit cards charge more and there's all this payment stuff in the background. But I Which felt is like way I less than 30%. Yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, true. So. And also maybe to to be fair, uh, when you raise this like fee question, so maybe also to be fair, uh, we should say that there are other service providers like Stripe. Uh, you can choose from like, I don't know, there are three pop probably at least. Uh, it's just that uh, we have this uh, great relationship with Stripe. Uh, we have Kuba both on Callstack and on Stripe Experts team. So uh, that's why I have this great opportunity to to talk with you both. Mm, yeah, so maybe we can finish up this light talk about payments in mobile uh, with like an open question. And my open question would be, and you can change it if you want, you can speak for whatever you want. But uh, my question to you, the last question is, uh, what do you think are, is the future of mobile payments? How will we pay in the future with our phones? I think that Stripe React Native will be the ubiquitous solution for all mobile payments across <laughs> the world. <laughs> no, um, I don't know. I think it's a hard question, but like we can all agree that everything is getting less based on like physical things, like cards and cash. Like the world is just becoming more digital, which sounds like I'm like, I don't know, in the 90s and talking about like the invention of the internet and stuff. But <laughs> I think online transactions are just growing and growing. And then if on the, at the same rate, like our usage of mobile devices, like they're not even phones anymore is growing and growing. So I feel like it's just growing and growing, but this is all me making a guess. Yeah, I, I also think that basically mobile payments, uh, this is a future. So this is probably direction uh, that we are, uh, yeah, going uh, uh, into. And by the way, I love that you called the payment topic a light topic. <laughs> it's light and entertaining. Like this is something <laughs> that I do in my free time. <laughs> I read about payment providers. So my hot take about future of mobile payments would be that uh, probably security will uh, still be the biggest like concern and maybe you will see like payment with eyes right and or like with uh, 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 authentication with voice or something like that so I don't have to write my pin or my I don't know like uh, the technology goes forward so fast <laughs> I feel old uh, yeah anything we say in a year is gonna sound like oh my gosh I can't believe they thought that so yeah. who knows <laughs> Yeah, uh, Charlie Kuba, thank you so much for joining me in this uh, light and entertainful, entertainful, 
episode of the React Native Show podcast. I was Wukash. Uh, please subscribe to our channel uh, to hear more of these talks with experts in React Native field. Thank you so much. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, I know we finished and we said goodbye already, but after the episode, we were chatting and actually Charlie has something to add to the episode. So Charlie, I give you a voice. Yeah, so we've covered a, a whole bunch in the podcast, I feel like. But one last thing I wanted to do was sort of a, a call to action. So if you use the Stripe React Native library or, or any Stripe library, really, and you have either feedback or run into a bug or an issue, um, just please file like a GitHub issue or, or reach out to us on Twitter or Discord. Um, because I feel like one of the special things about React Native um, in particular is how strong the community surrounding it is. Like, I feel that that is one of the major factors that React Native has seen the success that it has over the past however many years, even without having like its first major release yet. So I think it's important for us to try and, and keep that up. So that means for users that are using libraries to give feedback and then for library authors to really listen to that feedback and be actionable on you know fixes and features. So yeah, just let me know what, what you want and so we can do it. Definitely. Uh, yeah, thanks, Charlie. So again, thank you for joining. Subscribe to this channel. Uh, file GitHub issues if you find any issues or have any thoughts about Stripe libraries. You can also file issues and thoughts on Callstack libraries that we have on GitHub. And I promise we'll not be back in another public service announcement. This is it. That was our episode. Thank you so much. See you in the next one.